0: Hey coach, before we begin, I just want to tell you about the Coach Calls Timeout basketball coaching program. We have hundreds of plays, drills, practice plans, worksheets, and other resources to help you succeed on and off the court as a coach. All the resources are created with the purpose of making your job less overwhelming. I know coaching can be a lonely road at times, but it doesn't have to be. You can even jump into the free coaching forum to lend or get support from your peers. Check it out at CoachCallsTimeOut.com You're now in the huddle with Coach Calls Timeout. Welcome to another episode of your Basketball Coaching Helper, the Coach Calls Timeout podcast. I'm your host, Dan Jonkert, and this is episode number 47. Today we're continuing the focus on youth and high school basketball coaches doing unique things. Today I have Coach Ben Murphy on the show. We get into the benefits of three-on-three in terms of skill development, and we also talk about what it's like to coach in a small town where it's tough to get enough interest for a basketball season. Coach Murphy's from a small town in northern Maine called Fort Kent, where the elementary school, the high school, and the university are all down the street from each other. The university is the University of Maine at Fort Kent, which Ben's dad was the coach of the varsity team for many years. His dad also coached at the local high school where Ben played, which he remembers fondly.
1: And so really, you know, I was a fairly average player. I like to tell my guys now I was the, uh, you know, the sixth option out of five. You know, I was like, (laughs) you know, my job was... Yeah, this was before pace and space, but I was definitely the D and three guy. Like I was the guy spotting up in the corner, and uh, you know if I was open, if I was wide open and was near me, I could I could shoot it. But uh, otherwise than that, we were we were dumping it to our big guys and and letting our point guards do most of the shooting. So and I was I was neither of those things, you know. <laughs> so, uh, that's not to knock my dad. We scored plenty of points doing that, uh, but that was that was my role for sure.
0: Ben was lucky enough to have grown up around the game and had access to high-level athletes and coaching growing up, which seemed to shape his love of basketball and his interest in coaching. That's where we get into Ben's coaching journey. But before we get too far, it's probably good to know that he has a 3-year-old daughter and one and a half-year-old triplet boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take that in for a second. I'll let Ben talk about his coaching journey.
1: When I first started coaching, I actually it was when I when I started teaching, I taught in uh revere massachusetts for uh five years from 2006 to uh 2011 and the first year i was there i i filled in don't really know what had happened to the previous jv coach but i filled in and that team went one in 19 uh and got beat really badly pretty often and so that was a uh learning experience to say the least i i learned uh kind of what i what i liked to do a little bit more what i didn't like to do a little bit more and so uh, definitely a valuable experience doing that because it's just a total uh, switch. I had been around successful programs, and that was the first time I'd ever been associated with a team that had that struggled like that. And I really just did it for that, for that one year. After that one year, uh, the varsity coach was out, and so I was like, okay, I guess I'm out too. And then fast forward to my last year there, new head coach, program is in a much different spot, same type of thing. Uh, I get asked to be the, the JV coach, and I agree to it. And that team is, you know, five years later, it goes 20-0. and And we're on the opposite side of of the spectrum. And and we're working with amazing athletes and and really uh, beating teams pretty handily and and just a very, very skilled, fast, skilled team that was just a a ball to work with. And and that really taught me some things, obviously, too, uh, about kind of how intense you've got to be and kind of how simple some of the things are that you work on, even when you're, even when you're winning. The coach that I uh, worked with there, Diana, was was really great with the kids about never flipping and never allowing the fact that you won a game, like to not confuse that with actually playing well. You know what I mean? Like we I remember we distinctly we had gotten into the playoffs and we're playing a team that we've already beat twice and it's a home game and we you know we've beaten them in the season and it's a really close game and we have to come back to win it and we win. And the girls are all happy. Yeah, you know, we're moving on in the playoffs. And I remember coaches looking at them like, how are you happy about that? Like, you've beaten this team twice. They really should have beaten you. You got pretty lucky to even advance. And I remember that distinctly. Like, just don't confuse winning with playing well and and don't confuse losing necessarily with playing poorly. And And those are my two big takeaways as a young coach, like, You really can't equate those things because a lot of times they just, they don't, they don't add up.
0: So is that kind of a philosophy that you try to carry forward with the teams that you coach now?
1: I I try to, man. You know, so I I took a few years off from teaching and then I got back into teaching in Maine and Socopy Valley, the school I work with now, just has not, you know, not a big tradition in basketball. They've won a lot of state championships in other sports, you name it, softball, baseball, track, soccer. they great programs. And there's, for some reason, just basketball is not, we're not a haven for, for, for that. And I don't, and I don't know why that is, but it's just not. Um, and so when I took over, I had these, you know, grandiose dreams. We're going to, we're going to turn it around. We're going to do this and that. And then I quickly realized that, that, that's a lot more work than you think it is when you're, when you don't, have a tradition of winning when your kids come up kind of perpetually struggling to to compete they drag that with them and so they don't they don't expect to win they don't expect to compete and i think that that's a you know the mental side of that is really tough to overcome and and in some ways we've gotten a little bit better with that but in in some ways we haven't in some ways we're still fighting you know that battle our 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 boys team has not made the playoffs since 2012 and our girls team made it this year and it was the first time since uh, I think eighteen or nineteen years ago, so it's like on neither side of the ball is there a, is there a huge tradition uh, of of success here? and i'm not I'm not knocking that, but learn that those mantras ring true, right? Like I've, especially the part about you know, you can lose and and, and play and play all right. A couple of years back when I was coaching, I thought going into one season, I thought I had a team. I'm like, this is the team. We're gonna get in the playoffs. We got a good squad. We had a great we had had a great summer. We really were playing well. And then I get back into to school in September, and, and uh, they had reclassified a bunch of the teams and created a, a kind of a fifth division in Maine. And we had been because of our population, we were kind of right on the edge of, uh, so we became the we moved up into Class B, which was you know the higher class than we were before. Yeah. And so instead of playing schools that were our size and lower, you know we're playing, you know the majority of our schedule is against schools that are much larger than us and so i take probably what's the best team i had and we probably, I think we went two and 16 that year and i thought that there was just plenty of games where i'm like it doesn't matter how well we play today like this is just a much better team than us and you know that's a, that's a tough one Like that's just that was a tough season you're looking at your guys and you go man if we we played the schedule we played last year we're you know i don't, I don't know but i'm sure as heck think we have a much more fair shot of advancing but um but yeah that got rearranged uh for for four years so we played a, a pretty brutal schedule for four years and then our population dipped just enough so now that we're back into sea and we are uh, we're slightly more competitive they missed out on the playoffs this year by by one game but certainly they've got uh, a decent shot going back into it next year but either way i just i don't ever want to get used to losing i don't like losing it eats at me a little bit less than it used to but yeah i think you can you can learn a lot and uh, does not equate losing um, and winning with whether you played well or not, because we certainly played plenty of good games against teams we were clearly outmatched against.
0: The reason that I reached out to Ben to be on the show is because he had tweeted out that he may never play 5-on-5 in practice again. I've been looking into the benefits of small-sided games and 3-on-3 quite a bit lately, and I wanted to pick his brain a little. Here's why he posted that tweet.
1: I, I really, uh, it was somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but really, uh, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, what are we doing here, right? So, you know, at our level, you know, I coach in a in a town where it's, you know, it's a small town. We quite honestly struggle in basketball more than any other sport, and I'm not quite sure why that is, but but a lot of it has to do with, you know, there's just not a lot of folks that, that know and love the game and, and teach it, Um you know, from when they're, when they're little. So, you know, I'm getting kids in seventh grade that, you know, they're, that's when they're first starting to play. So obviously they're behind the, uh, the eight ball with skill. And there's just, there's just way too much evidence and way too much research has been put into it that says, you know, getting kids playing three V three more often than not is going to develop their skills way faster than, than playing five V five every day. I mean, there is a place for five V five, but you know, I don't think it can hurt to play a lot of three-on-three. Three. Like, I just don't see a, a downside to that. You can still teach and coach and kind of look for the the fundamentals that you want and look for the, the type of basketball that you want as a coach, and that's going to kind of vary from coach to coach, but I think that, you know, the coach is going to have an idea of what they're looking for out of their offense and out of their defense, and you can teach every part of the game three-on-three three, that you would teach five-on-five, five and and everybody gets more touches and everybody's still doing all the things that they, they would normally do is just kind of getting more, more reps and more action. You can't really hide in three on three. I mean, we've all seen youth games and middle school games where, you know, a kid that's not confident in his skills or, or whatever the case is, just kind of hides, you know, and you can hide five v five three on three. You can't really do that. You got to, you got to get some touches. You got to help your team. You got to defend and there's no, there's no hiding. And so for better or worse, you know, kids are going to, that might make it feel awkward, but they're going to get better eventually.
0: Yeah. I think the thing with three on three, especially is you're going to get better defensively real fast. If not, you're going to get killed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And, and what I noticed is when I started doing it, I, I mean, I have a habit of, of, of just kind of overcoaching and, and, and I'm really trying to break that. And I think this is helping with that, but I think that you, you got to kind of see what a kid's good at defensively, what they're not good at defensively, because I think sometimes we coach things out of kids that they're normally pretty good at. I think of a couple of kids that I coached this year where they're just exceptional at kind of seeing that a pass is coming and being able to jump it and steal it and, you know, turn the ball over and you get the ball back. And and you know my younger self would have been like nah man stay in front of him you know like D him up don't let him go by you and and now I'm looking at it like well if he's jumping and he's getting there more often than not then then why why coach that out of him right so you know it's like in my heart of hearts would I like that kid to just square him up and play defense sure but if he's you know if I'm watching it and he's anticipating it so well that he's he's getting that steal more often than not then I'm at the point now where I'm like. Do we wanna correct that or is that just something we wanna we wanna live with? If he gets there more often than not, then we're okay with that. I don't know. I mean I I think that you gotta kinda of watch what a kid's are good at and adjust.
0: I mean, there's a lot of times where the coach is the worst enemy of the team.
1: <laughs> I hope I'm not that, but I feel like yeah, I feel like that's that can be uh you can you can kinda of coach something out of a kid that they do naturally fairly well, and I just don't ever wanna do that. I'm pretty I'm I guarantee I've done it in the past with with some players but you know when I'm when I was younger as a coach but
0: Yeah, with a role like coaching, parenting, teaching, all of that kind of stuff, it's it's very easy to uh kind of knock habits out of a kid that may lead to uh less creativity and less interest in what they're doing because it's just yeah. constant uh yep. feedback and they 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 can't just let the flow happen and enjoy themselves in the moment
1: yeah and we really what it came down to is my you know i was looking at it towards the end of the year and when i would just kind of sit back and let the kids play i said look if you if you can do a couple of things for me right if you can just catch the ball and do something with it relatively quickly rather than just hold it then i'll live with that whether it's a drive or a pass or or a shot i'll live with that we just don't want the ball to freeze and then same thing after the fact you know after you pass something's going to happen then as well. You know, and you're like, you've got to cut, or you got to screen away, and it'll ball screen something after the pass. And so those are really our, our, our only couple of basics that we were working with. You know, there was no rule, like, you had to ball screen, or you had to screen away, or you had to, like, even that stuff, you know, like, if you're a coach that wants a lot of ball screens, then sure, ask for that. But I found like our kids, when you gave them the freedom to go, okay, all I got to do is, like, something here and something there like two very basic things that if you do those well consistently it kind of looks like basketball it kind of looks like hey that's pretty good offense right there that's that worked right and and really when we did those couple of things it looked pretty good and we we didn't do them consistently enough because we're you know we're a very you know young team full of inexperienced players but I'm like hey they're not they're not going to get they're not going to get any better playing five on five than they are playing three on three, and I I thought a lot of our kids showed a lot of growth in three
0: on three. It's interesting with that situation. I mean it it seems like because it's a small town, maybe basketball just isn't a priority. It's kind of a community wide, not a priority. It seems like they do well in all the other sports, so you'd think they'd have a bunch of athletes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, and it's it's a mystery to me because we do, we do have athletes. Um, I I just think that. I look at, like, I look at the success of our, uh, specifically our, like, soccer and baseball programs, and I think that they start working with kids consistently with, like, a core group of kids from a very young age all the way up through high school. They're working with, like, the same core group of, of coaches and people that work with them, develop their skills, and they're all in communication with each other, and they're all kind of talking to each other about kind of who can do what and who needs to work on these type of skills, and there's a lot of people kind of, heavily invested in the success of of kids in these sports and it's not to say that the people aren't invested in that in basketball it's just disconnected right so like um like I'm also on the local rec board here and so like what the rec basketball kids might be doing might be slightly different than what you know you're seeing at middle school and middle school is disconnected a little bit too much from high school and so we're trying to change that. So I don't know if it's a, you know, it's not for a lack of effort. There's certainly been people who have put in a ton of time and they're trying to make things, uh, kind of fundamentally better and, and skillfully better. Um, but that's, that's a tough road to hoe, man. Like that doesn't happen, uh, instantaneously. You got to kind of grab kids while they're young and, and really develop their love of the game. And, and that just doesn't happen, uh, overnight. So I think we got a lot of good people trying to work towards that. And I think they're, we're starting to get a little bit more connected as we as we move up through the grade levels.
0: So you're now coaching. Uh, we talked just before I pressed record on this call, but you're coaching yeah. uh, middle school now because you're so off. you're so busy took, with triplets and a three year old daughter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know how so, you have time for coaching yeah. as well. But um, tell me a little bit about the middle school and and what led to your the tweet that you said where maybe five on five isn't the way you want to focus
1: sure sure well i took a year off uh, i found out we were having triplets in the middle of my last season coaching and as soon as i i got that I, you know i was obviously that's that's a crazy mix of feelings but i i kind of knew i'm like man okay that's i'm probably not going to be able to to you know be a dad and do that and then also coach i knew it kind of instantaneously and that was that was fine with me. I didn't want to shortchange my family or the kids I was working with. I would, I don't think I would have been good at either one. If I tried to do both, it would have just been impossible. So I took a year off, um, really thought about, you know, how I wanted to coach the game and, and it gave me a lot of time to, to reflect on stuff. I thought I did pretty well and stuff that I thought I did pretty poorly and, and kind of, how do you get better at that? Um And then this, this past year when when the coaching position opens up because it always opens up because we always struggle to get coaches. Uh, I asked, I asked my girlfriend, I said, Hey, I, I think we can make this work time-wise. I mean, the practices are earlier, the road trips are shorter. There's a shorter season in general. Um, and then she agreed to it. God bless her. Um, and so I, I took it over and, uh, and we struggled, man. We, uh, there, we have a seventh grade team and an eighth grade team, and again, a lot of those guys are just getting started playing hoop. They they haven't played a lot of it, some of them. And so you're, you got a mix of kids that have been playing since probably you know second grade or something like that. And then you have they're playing alongside kids who are just starting to touch the ball, like in in seventh grade. So it's a, it's a tough combination. And uh, and our league mandates that everybody plays because it's a, you know it's developmental, and that's that's fine with me. But it's a tough combination to like you know work all those kids into the mix and kind of understand what everybody's skill level is, but. Throughout the year, we played a lot of three on three, um, and I tweeted out the other the other day, uh, which is how we got in contact about it. I don't think I'm going to play much three, much five on five, and I was I was halfway joking, but then I thought about it. I thought about kind of when we showed the most amount of of growth and skill level growth and decision making growth and and all that sort of stuff that you're looking for as a coach, and it was when we had played various types of of three on three and and. The more I look at it, the more I see coaches online. The more I, and you know, the more the research that comes out, it's it's just a much better way. I I believe to develop skills within a player. Like you develop every skill in three on three that you're going to develop in five on five. But you're getting way more offensive touches as a player. You're getting way more offensive development. You can't hide on defense. You you, know, you got to play both sides of the ball. It forces you to get better. There's again, there's there's nowhere to hide. I think, like I was saying to you, kids in 5v5, you can kind of hide a player, you know, or, or a player chooses to hide. I'm going gonna to park it here in the corner. And if nobody passes to me, that's kind of okay. And they're kind of shy or whatever. And you just wish as a coach, you didn't have that. Um, and I think three on three is a great way to kind of almost force a kid into the action and go, all right, you, you kind of have to learn here, you know, throw, put their, put their feet to the fire and, and, and it's supposed to be fun, but you're, you're learning along the way too.
0: Are there any other things that you focus on other than three-on-three? Three? There's like small-sided games, that kind of stuff as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean John DeMarco, who I know you know, uh, I worked with him when I was in Revere, and he contacted me about, about writing this blog about my kind of journey coaching in the middle school level. And, and I, I knew when I was coming back that I was going to be dedicated to that. Like I, I was really, um, as I had finished up coaching high school, I really didn't like where – where I was headed as a coach, I was what they would call a more of a joystick coach, where it was like we're gonna run this continuity offense, where you go point A to point B to point C to whatever, and kids had to memorize that. Not, and, and then after a while, just second guess out of I don't think that's really how I want to coach, and I don't think kids love playing in that style where they're just kind of going from spot to spot like robots, and not really kind of thinking and playing, right? which is what I think basketball should be. I think kids should be making those decisions and it's kind of playing a little faster, a little more, a little more freedom. And I think better basketball happens that way, but I think it's a slower process to get there and get good at that. And so I think as coaches, we tend to, to shortcut that. So, you know, when I was ending my high school stint, that's how I was coaching. And I was like, I think I want to go a different route with that. And the, the more I read about small sided games and, and kind of teaching that way, the more I liked it, the more I was like, this makes sense. This, this stuff happens in games all the time. And so like, why aren't we doing more of this? Like, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, for instance, like, like, why are we doing, and, I, and this is not to knock anything, but if you ever saw us warm up, we, we come right out and we we play a version of three on three and we play that for almost the 15, full 15, we might do, we might do five minutes of shooting and we might do 10 minutes of three on three. And that's our pregame warm up. Like we don't do a layup line to me. Like, how many times in a game do you get a, a layup kind of at a jog at a 45-degree angle and you're going off, you know, left foot, right hand? Like, that never happens in a game. And so, like, do you need to know how to do that? Yeah, but that doesn't happen in a game. And so why don't we play a little more 1v1, try to figure out how to finish with a little bit of defensive pressure, try to figure out, you know, what to do if help defense comes. And there's all these little small side of games that you can add and tweak and fix uh, to kind of get the results or get the focus on what you need to uh, what you want it to be and that's the beauty I love every coach can take a game and add something to it or tweak something to it to kind of get a little bit different result of it depending on what he feels like his team needs and so I thought man we got to work on, on on finishing and so we would instead of doing layup lines we might we might do some one vo stuff working on a couple of different ways to finish and then after we're kind of comfortable and warm, we're, we're playing some sort of 1v1 game where hopefully we're working on that same set of skills. Again, it's a slow process. You, you The improvements are much more kind of slow and incremental. Like you don't see a kid go from from zero to, to fifth gear in, in one day, but over the course of a season, you go, oh, that, that kid can finish a little bit better now, or that kid makes better decisions when he drives. He doesn't try to go 1v3. He, he kicks it out to his teammate when health defense comes. Little stuff like that where if you're watching us play 5v5, it just looks like, hey, the kid made a pass. But what you don't realize is like, hey, that kid made that pass because we play a 1v or a, a 2v2 game where if he drives, he's got to read the help and kick it out, right, because like, we do that. In my one year coaching this, I, I think I left the middle school season with a, about as many questions as I had answers to. Um, but, but one thing I walked out of it going is I'm, I'm, I don't regret using – the you know a, a small sided games approach to kind of teaching them uh how to play the game
0: yeah one of the things that pops into my head while you're talking about that is especially with the layup lines it's kind of similar or i'm i'm visualizing anyway in baseball where a hitter hones his craft and and gets his swing or her swing going by hitting off of a tee but if you're not facing pitching then all that practice is, is for nothing, right? You, you got to do game-like you, repetitions. Yeah. And... I, I
1: equate that to probably like, you know, getting your form down shooting free throws, which, yeah. you know, you got to do, but that doesn't help. You kind of make a jump shot kind of sliding to your right in the middle of a game. You know, like, I think there's, there's places for that and for hitting off a tee in baseball, obviously, but I, I don't think that's where you want to spend the bulk of your day. Some days like, yeah, exactly. when kids are young and you're focusing on form, that's, that's fine and it's not to say that we don't do some 1V stuff. I mean we we shoot a lot uncontested 1V you know I, I, that was another thing I tried to dedicate the first 20 I mean we only have 70 minute practices and so that's we got to squeeze in a lot in a short amount of time for a lot of inexperienced kids and so uh, and I try not to, to babble about drills, but that's hard to do when, when you have some inexperienced players who kind of might not understand even basketball terminology yet. But anyway, you know, we would try to shoot 20 to 25 minutes a day, and I would try to just get them, a, you know, a core group of, of shooting drills that we could get as really as many shots as we can get up with some decent form. And we would review form each day and kind of talk about what we were looking for and just little things like that. So we do play, we we I don't want to say like you know we just get out here and play one v one and three v three. Like we we work a lot on on, on shooting um, and getting kids better. Because look, making shots is fun and. Missing shots is not so fun. And so and I tell the kids that if you want to start having some fun playing this game, let's start figuring out how to knock down some shots and, and let's start figuring out kind of how to improve your tweak, your form a little bit so that we're knocking down a few more shots, uh, you know, per game. Because that, that's where the fun is, man. That's where the, you know, nobody steps on a basketball. Like what does a kid do when they first step on a basketball court? They grab a ball and they want to shoot. And then kids today, they want to walk in the gym and shoot from three. Yeah. And, and it drives me nuts. Like it drives everyone else nuts. But, but at the same time, I get it. Like, that's that's the fun part of the game is shooting and scoring. And so that's that's where we've got to – to me, that's where we've got to start because I don't think there's anything stopping any kid that puts their mind to it and puts the time into it from being a good shooter. Like, I really don't think there is. I think that if you look at good shooters that, like, you grew up around or that I grew up around, they just shoot a lot, and they work on their form, and they might – you know what I mean? Like, nobody goes to a trainer or went to a trainer when I was growing up. like the best shooters just shot a lot of shots and kind of worked on their shot as they were going and, and they scored. Like I played with a kid when I was growing up and his, his shot looked a lot like uh kind of like Reggie Miller's kind of had the elbow out. And it was like, it was not a fundamentally great, but he was a great shooter because he shot a lot and he practiced that and he could just repeat that motion. And I think that if anything, I'm just trying to remind kids, like none of this is special. It's just, You've got to learn the basic form and you've got to repeat it a lot because if you expect to be a good shooter, you know, shooting 20 minutes a day for, you know, three or four times a week for a couple months a year, like that's not going to happen, but y'all know where the outdoor courts are. You all might have, some of you might have a hoop in your driveway, you know, it's like, go find those opportunities and go shoot because there's no, it's not a mystery. I feel like kids see a good shooter and they think that like, like we play against a couple teams where there's, you know, they're, we're getting lit up and they're like, man, this kid's good. And I said, yeah, he is good. He, he shoots a lot. He clearly works on his game. Like, uh, and one of the kids said, man, it's, he seems to get lucky. I said, that's, there's no such thing, right? Like a kid doesn't hit four threes out of luck. Like he, the kid is hitting threes because he continuously practices. And I said, if we continuously practice and put the hours in, then, then we meet, we might get a little bit better too, but there's no, there's no mystery there. We, if you shoot a lot with half decent form, that works for you. Uh, over the course of time, you're going to be a better shooter, and I think we got got to reinforce that with kids because that's essentially that's where, to me, that's where the the most fun of the game is is, is, is catching and shooting shots.
0: Yeah, shooting's about repetition and confidence, and repetition. Yeah. repetition leads to confidence most times.
1: Yeah, it's, it is a cycle. You know, you start hit you start hitting a few, and you want to shoot more, and you you want to shoot more because you hit a few, and you know, repeat. I know that's what it was for me growing up. Like I grew, I was fortunate enough. I was in a gym a lot, you know, with my dad being a coach. You know, I I was never, uh, far from a, from a ball in a basket. So I think maybe I think they had it a lot more lucky than I, than I remember. But I, I remember just getting a ball and shooting because I wanted to be a better shooter. And, and maybe not all kids are like that or not all players are like that. And that's, and that's fine. But I I think we continuously need to stress to kids that, that, you know, if you want to be great, that's that we can give you that avenue to do that. But it's not, it's not rocket science, man. (laughs) It's like you got to just shoot a lot. With with decent form, and and eventually it's going to come.
0: Coaching, like parenting, anything else, is is about managing expectations. And if you, we need to make it clear to the players that if you expect to be good, then here's what needs yep. to be done. Um, if they're expecting we, to be good just think, overnight, then yeah, that's they're just going to be angry and want to quit.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 couple thoughts on that. I, I, you know, I had a friend of mine come down and help us a couple of times during the year and he's working with a kid on his form. And he goes, you know, because if you want to play in the high school, level, we're going to have to work on that form because you're, you're kind of shooting from your, from the hip a little bit. And you're just not going to probably be able to get that shot off. He goes, you want to play at the high school level. And the kid looks at him and me, goes, no, probably not. Like, and we got to kind of understand that as coaches too. Like not every kid that comes out at the youth level wants to like go play varsity basketball and be like basketball, a huge part of his life. They might just be doing it because their friends are all playing and they want to hang out like I think that i I didn't realize how much of a factor that was um at, at lower levels especially because kids might not might not love the game we like we love the game or might not have those those same type of aspirations and that's that's fine and we just gotta understand that as coaches like as much as we're reiterating hey you can all be great some kids are just doing this they to have to having fun hanging out with their friends and there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that too that doesn't mean we kind of put that kid off to the side you still want to teach him good form but but i think we gotta understand that not all kids have that have that same type of expectation of like oh man i'm gonna go be a great shooter by the time i get to high school like not all kids think that way
0: yeah totally agree i would i would say 80 percent of them don't think that way
1: <laughs> yeah I, and I, it's amazing to me like how how kids think things happen naturally like that that like if you're watching a person do something uh successfully whether it's you know ball handling or shooting or or whatever that they think that that just kind of happens uh or that like and I'm, it's it's really a process to get into their heads that like there's no reason why that can't be you right like like there's no reason why you can't be a kid that shoots the ball consistently well from wherever name a name a spot like if it, there's no reason why because kids think well I'm I'm a tall kid so I'm supposed to be in the post no like why not? Like, why can't you step out? Because what happens if you're 6'2 in seventh grade and then you're also 6'2 in high school and you've never developed an outside shot? What then? Right? Then you're not Then you're not half the player you could have been. And so, you know, I'm thinking about a couple players that we have there are in, in, in the seventh and eighth grade level that are two of our bigger guys. And I think I was the first person to ever look at them and go, can you just please shoot a jump shot when you're open? Because they've never been told to like, hey, that's a pretty good shot. Like, they're open from three. Nobody's near you. You might want to shoot that. Like, who cares if you miss at, at the middle school level? Because ultimately, like, no one's keeping track of your scoring average. No one's looking at my one loss record. Like, shoot the shot if you're open. If you miss it, you miss it. We'll figure out why you missed it. We'll try to get better the next time we do it. But, like, just shoot it, man. Like, the, the, why not? Um, and, and sometimes I don't think kids hear that early enough. You know, like, I don't think they, they have that confidence to, to to shoot sometimes or they don't feel like maybe they could be as good as, the best player that's that's lighting us up on a current night. Uh they think like that's maybe unattainable. But just to reiterate especially in a town like ours that doesn't have a huge history, you gotta harp on that that it's it's possible, it's possible, it's possible. You can you gotta put the time in.
0: Yeah, you need to put the time in and also um this is kind of a theme with our whole call is is you have to be comfortable with failing. Doing three on three, small sided games you get a lot more repetitions, a lot more touches. You're gonna to fail more, and you just need to be okay with that. Especially in practice, it's all right to fail.
1: Yeah, you no, know, we had uh, we had multiple discussions about that, and we got to remember, like in seventh and eighth grade. Like I remember, like you're the only kids that you know they, they might seem like they've got a lot of confidence in themselves, but a lot of them don't. You know what I mean? So they don't, and it's and like God, middle school kids doing something and and screwing it up in front of their their friends. Whether it's in class or in, in basketball, like probably one of their their biggest fear in the world, right? It's like, oh man, I missed a layup at practice, or I blew up a, ble- a blew a layup in a game, or whatever. Like that might be actually a pretty legitimate disruption of their of their day. And and we and I don't think as adults we remember that sometimes, like how much kids are afraid to fail at that age because of like how their peers will see that or treat them. It's like, yeah, you got to reiterate, like you can't be you can't be afraid to fail because. You're gonna like even if you're a great shooter and you're shooting lights out, you're you're missing more shots than you're making, right? Like unless you're a phenomenal shooter uh, in a game, you're not shooting over fifty percent most games. You'd be lucky if you're in the forty percent range on a good day. and but that's fine. but I think kids are afraid to fail, but I think a lot of that is the kind of that age in the middle school climate of like you don't wanna kind of hear it from your boys after the after the practice about how you screwed something up.
0: I'll get you out of here i'll I won't keep you too long. I'm sure you wanna enjoy the the silence now that the kids are probably sleeping
1: <laughs> yes there's there's not much of that these days, so so I appreciate that
0: <laughs> um, I'll get you out of here with one one last question. What's one thing that you do now that you wish you maybe did earlier in your career?
1: I really wish that earlier in my career I would have focused a lot less on x's and o's and kind of running. Mm-hmm sets and plays and focused a lot more on kind of developing individual skills and uh, individual decision-making within the game. I think that's been a a complete 180 from, you know, when I started coaching, uh, geez, I guess 13 years ago now to now was like kids were memorizing kind of where they needed to be on a certain set and that type of stuff. And it was a lot of control on my part. And then the more I kind of, the more I get older, I don't know if that's the most uh, enjoyable way for a kid to to develop within the game. And so if I had to go back to to younger me, I would uh, I would get them uh, to to start working on their individual skills um, and start working on their on their decision making, so that really they can have some freedom within the game to uh, to kind of exploit whatever the defense is is giving them.
0: I love that. Um, one last thing actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna provide a link to John DeMarco's website where you're writing um your season yep. in the middle. Um do you wanna talk about yeah. that
1: quickly as well? Sure, no problem. Yeah, so uh season in the middle was was definitely John's idea. He approached me with that. He just thought it would be a good perspective of a coach who had coach at a varsity level, kinda moving down into the middle school level and kind of just the changes and the, the Funny stuff, the, the the confusing stuff, the frustrating stuff, the good stuff—that that all goes into that. Um, and so he asked me to write that, and I was happy doing so. I was a, a journalism major in college, so I was pretty happy to to uh, type out kind of how the season was going. And I think that it was it was important for me to do it, for me to reflect on things that I'd done well and not so well. And I was tried tried to be honest in that blog about that. And then also just to kind of share that with coaches was awesome because the the feedback we got was, was great Coaches asking questions about, about drills, coaches reassuring, uh, Hey man, I've been through that too, that type of stuff. So it's a nice, uh, nice bit of good feedback from, from coaches all over the place that have really, uh, uh, it's been helpful. It's been, it's made me feel really connected in that, that we're, you know, we're doing the right things. It's just going to progress pretty slowly. Uh, and it's not going to happen overnight.
0: Yeah. I just discovered it, uh, last week and I've read a couple of them and I love it. It's fantastic. You did a great job.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I really think that, uh, and I had a hard time doing it at first. I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I got to be honest about, about what we're doing. I mean, geez, you know, we, we, (laughs) our seventh graders won one game and our, and our eighth grade did not win any. And so like, I'm not going to like try to write a blog where it's like, Hey, this is how you should do things because we win a lot. Like no, we don't. But I still think this is the way that that I think we should be, be teaching things. And if I had a question or if I had a frustration, I, I tried to express that. And I tried to be honest about how I communicated with my kids and things that they did that, that were great and things that they did that drove me nuts and kind of how I reacted to that. And uh, it was just really good that um, to get those honest thoughts out there and have a, a bunch of coaches respond with like, man, I've been there. it's okay it'll get better like you just keep keep with it and so uh it was good it was a really good experience and I think this summer when we get into some summer ball and some some camps that I'm working with even younger kids uh we're gonna bring a series back with uh with coach DeMarco for the for the summertime I don't know what he's gonna call it but I told him we'd probably do some summertime writing kind of as a a follow-up to that.
0: That's great. I can't wait to uh, read the rest of them and I appreciate you taking my call today
1: to, to chat some ball. Thanks man. I appreciate you reaching out and uh, just happy to talk basketball anytime. Thank you.
0: There you go. Lots of good advice to digest there with coach Ben Murphy. Hopefully you can take some of these things we talked about and add them to your coaching portfolio. That's what this podcast is all about. I encourage you to check out his blog as well. I'll leave a link in the show notes at coachcallstimeout.com 47. Have you been struggling to get commitment from your players? Do you want more effort out of them? Do you need more practice time? You should take our practice planning course. It's helping coaches get the most out of their limited gym time, increase player engagement, and team development. There's a link in the description of this episode if you want to check it out. Right now, the cost is only $29.99. It may go up in the future. It's also a part of the resources that you get if you're a member of our coaching program. Just go to coachcallstimeout.com to learn more. I'll be back again in two weeks with another coach and more tips. Next episode, I'm talking with a coach who's running a three-on-three development league, and there are a ton of ideas you can benefit from that one. I'll see you then.